Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Ah, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball and you just stand back there and throw us where you wanna go. You know, and that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Happy to have you with us on the show. 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube, and also happy to have Sam McEwen joining us, as he does every Monday morning. Sam, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Sam, good morning. We're hanging in. It's Super Bowl week, right? (laughs) Does it seem like it? Are you, like... There's so much going on in the sports landscape, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my goodness, it's Super Bowl week. Does it feel like Super Bowl week? No, not really. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that, that you know, it won't be a, a fun game and, and, and a competitive game. But, uh, no, like it, it doesn't really feel like that. I, I think uh, when you have two weeks between it, it just you lose a little bit of that momentum. and. You know, it's it's uh, it's a team that a lot of people don't know a lot about, which is the Eagles. Um, they kind of flew under the radar this year, even though they had the best record in the NFC. And it's a team that people know everything about, and that's the Chiefs. So it's it's not it's not you know like uh, two powerhouses or anything like that. Sam, uh, another team that uh, flew under the radar on Sunday, if you were a Penn State fan was uh, Nebraska, and uh, they get the win, 72-63. You know, now that got Hoiberg up to 11 wins, it's the most in his um, coaching era, and he still has seven games remaining in the regular season. Where do you see that total climbing? Do you see two, maybe three more on the schedule that Nebraska can nab? I do. Yeah, I I think they've got a great opportunity Saturday against Wisconsin. Um. Wisconsin's struggling. You know, they're struggling to score. Well, that Northwestern game was kind of a shocker. Yeah, it was. Um, And the Northwestern is, you know, this is a culmination of a four-year process for them. So, they're peaking. I I agree. I do do think Northwestern is pretty good. I've said that for about three weeks. So, uh, but just the lulls that they go through and how they execute in crunch time, Wisconsin – 
I don't know, man. It's uh, it, you're right. It's struggle may be the right word. Yeah. So I, you know, and Greg Gard's going to be, you know, they got rid of Paul Chris, and I, I don't know that Greg Gard's done a heck of a lot better um, in recent years. So we'll see what happens. I know they won the Big Ten title last year, but or they tied for it. Um, but Wisconsin's one, Minnesota's another. Um, Michigan State, that's a tough team for Fred Hoiberg to beat because of the way they play and their pace. Uh, but, you know, that's on there. And Maryland. You know, I think Maryland's absolutely a team that Nebraska can beat on the right night. Uh, they haven't done it in the Foyberg era, but but that's not a great shooting team, you know, and if they miss a bunch of threes, they did not when they played Nebraska the first time. But if they miss a bunch of threes, there's a chance. So I think Nebraska can win 13 or 14 games. It's possible. And I think that'd probably be enough to, to run it back with Fred for year five. Sam, if you're taking a look at – the rest of the Big Ten, obviously the big one with Purdue and Indiana this weekend. Indiana, who was actually favored in that one, uh, gets the win. Who's the next best team in the Big Ten for you? Well, I think on the right night, um, I'll take Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got a really good player in Shannon. Obviously, they lost by a couple to Iowa. Um uh, I think Illinois is the team. When I think about best, I'm thinking about what you can do in the NCAA tournament. And I think Illinois has got a team that can go to the Sweet 16 um, because they've got a you know a lead guard. They're pretty physically tough. Um, that's probably been the team that I, I've that's you know jumped out at me at times this year. Uh, Indiana's obviously got a great player, um, and you know Huchifino hit some shots, uh, important ones against Purdue. Um, so I think there's a, you know, but, but they're up and down. Uh, Michigan State, I, I don't love that team, but, you know, Izzo's the coach, and you can, you know, you can always count on him to, to get some stuff done. So Does, I don't know if there's another Sweet 16. I think Purdue might be the only one, but, but Illinois, right night, Northwestern can beat you. Uh, and then Rutgers is, is really tough. You remember Houston had a Final Four team, I think, a couple of years ago, or an Elite Eight team. I think it was the Final Four team. Mm-hmm. And they almost got knocked out by Rutgers in the second round. So Rutgers plays that sort of isolated ball where the, you good, know, good, good defensive length, too. Win. Right, right. It's interesting. So that, it, that guy's a hell of a coach. Yeah, Pykele, that's why they just locked him up. I think he just got eight for 30, 831 or something like that. I believe it. Yeah, he's a good coach. Does a sixth way tie for third sound right in the Big Ten? It does. It does. I think you're going to see a lot of six, seven, eight, nine seeds. Again, no, no elite teams, but maybe, maybe uh, Purdue. Well, Purdue is an elite team, but you know, you got Purdue, and then maybe one other team getting to the Sweet Sixteen. I think it's going to be a lot of different leagues in the Sweet Sixteen. I think I, you know the Big Twelve will get maybe two. The idea that they're going to get five, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think they have very good teams, but. They're going to have some teams that get surprised in the first round. Uh, won't shock me if there's a West Coast Conference team there, uh, Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Houston, obviously, will be there. Uh, there'll be one or two ACC teams. And it's not going to shock me if North Carolina or Duke is one of them. I think both those teams have a lot of talent. They can screw around during the regular season, but when it comes time to play tournament games, they're going to be right there. Sam? question for you because we were chatting early on in the show about 
win-loss record and, you know, a, a lot about what fans may or may not be thinking about when they step foot into PBA on game day. And, you know, I, I brought something up and DB and I had a good back and forth conversation about it, but I'm interested to gauge your thoughts. How much do we focus on win-loss percentage, not, not just win-loss percentage, maybe just the wins versus the losses um, in regards to total um, when it comes to retaining a coach or, or figuring out how well a coach has done, whether it's in a year or throughout his career, versus, say, like a quality win. So, for example, or a quality, loss, for or, or a quality loss. So, for example, say this year, Nebraska ended up beating Purdue, and then they beat Creighton. Would people still be thinking, like, is Fred Hoiberg our guy because he doesn't have the wins to back it up, even though there are some quality wins there? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the, the the minimum goal, really, for any power conference program is the NIT. And so you want to try to make that every year. In lieu of making that, you know, then you want to try to make the NCAA tournament. Um, so postseason play, the NIT or the NCAA. And Nebraska has not done that under Hoiberg. And I think that's, yeah, until he does that, I think people are going to have a serious question as to whether he's the right guy. Um, Collier made the NIT number number of times. Miles made it twice, and then he made an NCAA tournament. Actually, Miles made the NCAA, the NIT uh, no just twice, and then the NCAA tournament once. Doc made the NIT a couple three times. Hoiberg hasn't made any of those, and so you know, even if they had beaten Purdue, um, I think there's still a question mark about whether he's the right guy until he gets them to 500 regular season records. And, again, I think it's probably going to be enough um, because they had some injuries and that was a tough deal. And the Big Ten gave them this brutally hard schedule, uh, especially in January. So, you know, let's let's check back at the end of February, and I think we're probably going to see, like, a 14 and 16 team. And then, that, and then you think about, well, Gary and Bandemel might have gotten them an extra one or two wins. And so um, – you know that's the way it'll be viewed. I think, and if they're fourteen and, and sixteen, Sam, I think that would be amazing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm on record. I'm gonna tell you that right now. If they get to fourteen and sixteen, because I don't see it, that would be amazing. Yeah, it would be. It would be good. Um, again, that means beating Wisconsin. That means uh, beating Maryland, and that means winning another game and beating Minnesota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and one other game. Remember a and, week ago, we think, we asked if there were two more wins on the schedule. Well, I mean, and I thought there was, yeah. Like I, I thought there was wins on the schedule. Um, that would be, and, and so like I think, again, they, 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 I would suspect he's going to come back. But the question is, uh, what do you do in the off season uh, to to get you to get you over the hump? Because yeah. you can't have five seasons of it. Like you're going to have to figure out how to how to build a roster in the off season that gets you to the NIT or the NCAA. Shoot, I hear I hear fourteen and sixteen. I'm like, there's nothing to think about. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't think there would be. Yeah, uh, fourteen and sixteen. There's nothing to think about. Uh, Sam, let me ask you. Uh, fresh off of Coach Rule being in Texas, uh, he's speaking to that staff. You got Wager. Uh, you know what he's done with his chief of staff. You look at how the the staff is compiled. 
Sam, how does how do you think Nebraska wants to recruit? Do you have a good idea now, looking at how he's assembled his staff versus what they've done this first year? I think we have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think we 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 can tell very clearly that Nebraska wants to recruit the state of Nebraska and the state of Texas very hard. And so I think you you know. You, you're not going to have the same number of prospects each year mm-hmm. out of the state of Nebraska. You're going to have roughly the same in Texas. But, you know, in Nebraska, it's going to fluctuate. Um, last year was a really good year. I think this upcoming cycle is a really good year. But it won't be that way every year. Uh, in Texas, you, you know, they're going to want to try to get, it appears, six to eight prospects a year. They're probably not going to get, you know, top 30 prospects in Texas. That'll be tough to get. Texas, the SEC, Oklahoma, A&M. Um, but you can get a, a the 75th best prospect in the state of Texas, and you're getting a four-star. So um, I think they want to recruit Texas hard, and then I think they want to be able to keep their relationships in the big cities as you go toward the Big, big Ten footprint. So Chicago, I think Detroit eventually, I think Philadelphia, uh, and then uh, – whatever you want to call New Jersey, Newark, South Jersey, North Jersey, like so both of those, um, you know, the, the suburbs of New York City and Philadelphia would tend to be better in football than the schools in New York City and Philadelphia. Um, and then, you know, they'll, they'll go get a quarterback wherever they have to. And that'll be, that'll, that list will start with Dylan Rayola. And if he chooses to go to USC, then, then the next guy probably on the list is Danny Kalen. Mm. Interesting. Let me stay right there. We got into this long discussion last week, last Friday. It was myself, Sauter, and, and Andrew. Was that long? And we were talking about the inordinate number of Power 5 offers, and there'll be plenty more to come with the top six, seven guys in the state. And I we, start, we got into Coach Frost and that staff being really good in-state, and then there was the Riley Ducker year with Helms and those guys. And since then, it's kind of been hit and miss in-state. So I'm trying to set an expectation level of what we think would be a good haul. So given these personalities and a guy that's part of the Super 6, Carter Nelson, Caleb Benning, Danny Kalen, McMorris, Hall, Pyfram, and I'm going to throw in Ashton Murphy to give you seven. I set the total at three and a half of Nebraska, uh, Nebraska getting those guys. Given what you know, how hard they're being recruited around the country, what would be a good haul, no pun intended, for those seven? Is it three? Is it four? Is it five? What does Sam McEwen think? Wow, that'd be pretty good if they got blank number of those guys. If if Nebraska lands Dylan Rayola, then I say four. If they don't, I say five. Wow, that Inter- seems high. Interesting. Five seems high, doesn't it? That would be that would be extremely impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it would be impressive, but I think rules staff cares. Um, I do think that you know, 
if they want to get all seven of those guys. Now that that's some of it, right? Like you gotta Man. You want all seven of them, but I think they do. Then I I, I anticipate you know getting four of those, and then Kalen is sort of the sort of the wild card. I mean you. He isn't. Go- I, I, I'm sure he isn't going to feel put out if Dylan Riola goes to Nebraska. You can't turn that down. And nobody, nobody would. I, it, I, it could have been St. Flores, and it just doesn't make any difference. I mean, I've watched Riola throw. I, he's he's really good. So, so you you don't you don't take a second quarterback if you're taking him. That's just how that works, and that's okay. Um, but you know, I think they'll. I think they can do pretty good with some of the other ones out. Um. Now, if they hit on all the receivers they have right now, like then they may not want that many more receivers. Um, but I don't think they'll know if Bryce Turner and Jalen Lloyd and a few others are going to pan out for sure, for sure, mm-hmm. until you know, until the the twenty four twenty four cycle is over. I mean, I think Nick Morris is is you know is a top one hundred player. I really do. Like I, he's the Caden Helms of this season. And I think by the end of this process, he'll he'll be way 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 up the list. And and so I I don't know what that means for him. This, he doesn't have an Oregon offer yet, does he? No. That'll come, right? Uh, he just got Penn State, right? He got just Penn State. Got Oklahoma. Uh, there's not there's not a lot more for him to get. Like you know, Oregon will come through. I guess like the you know the the. The pinnacle of college offers is Alabama and Ohio State, but I think he'll get just about everything else up to that. So, you know, he he'll be he'll be a tough one to get. Um, we'll just have to see. I'd say four. Is that you think that's high? I think I think I said Friday that I thought four would be exceptional. I I said three. Okay. Three three sounds low, but not that low. Four sounds great. Great. As I, as now, to be clear, I, I think Nebraska is going to get Dylan Real. Whoa! USC is the team that I think could could derail that. Oh, it's interesting. Two weeks ago, it was Georgia, <laughs> right? Wh- no, wh- what makes you me. say that? No, that's I know that I yeah I, I I'm talking about the national sentiment, Sam. Yeah, I if I were him, if I I'm, I who am I? I'm nobody. I would tell him not to go to Georgia. Like I don't I don't think that. You know they haven't had a, an elite quarterback since uh, Matthew Stafford, and he, Stafford had a great career there. But no, no, no. If 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 I was going to advise him, it would be between USC and Nebraska. Nebraska for obvious reasons, and quite frankly, USC for obvious reasons. Uh, they have a head coach that's coached three Heisman Trophy winners and uh, three first round draft picks. Mm. I think the very first pick, you know, Baker Mayfield. I think he was the first pick. Kyle Murray was the first pick. Caleb Williams would be the first pick. I mean, USC is the other team. That, that, that's just if he goes to Georgia, I'd just be stunned. Like I don't, I don't know what you would be going to Georgia to do. You want to be a defensive tackle? You go to Georgia. Mm, 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 mm. We're speaking with Sam McEwen. So I think they're going to get Dylan Rayola. So I don't think I don't think they will get a quarterback from the state of Nebraska. That's my hunch. If not Nebraska, then USC, and then you know. We're speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra dropping takes on Coffee. I like, and I like that, We're Sam. We're big fans. Yeah, I, huge fan. And, you know, 
speaking of me being a fan of, of one guy, and I, I probably join the mass population when I say this, but uh, being a fan of Matt Rule is something that's easy to do. Um, but, you know, I, I read something in your article over the weekend about – uh, what Dave Tepper said, and you referenced it's something that he said, um, you know, last week, but calling him uh, a CEO type of head coach, yeah. and that just not working. That was a mistake, is what he ended up saying. And you know, maybe in the NFL level, but at college, it seems like being a CEO is a good thing because you have so much administration to kind of oversee, and you know, in a lot of ways, because of all the moving parts of college sports, being a CEO is a good thing, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yes. Um, it, it's a much better fit in the college level, and, and I do think in the in the right fit in the NFL, you can do that too. I think what Tepper was saying, and it's probably not necessarily wrong, is that the NFL has gone toward this trend of like, although Frank Reich doesn't necessarily fit this trend, of like young, edgy offensive coordinators who, like, you know, they call the plays and they're, like, you know, geniuses and they're so far into their work that they kind of leave the players to do what they want to do. And, you know, sometimes that backfires. You look at Nathaniel Hackett, he didn't know how to run a football game. But other times it doesn't backfire. You know, you, you look at uh, Shanahan or McVay and, uh, and, and they, they sort of fit the, other, they fit the other template. And so that seemed to be what he's going for. I think on the collegiate level, uh, a CEO coach is, is, is pretty important because not only are you the head coach, but you're effectively, you know, the talent acquisition guy, you're the draft guy, you have to run the whole thing. You're the team president on top of being the head coach. And so, you know, being able to have a grasp of every single detail is important at the collegiate level. And, and I think there's a number of head coaches who are very good at being CEOs. And, and I think that's, that's more rules MO. He's built a staff that, um, is very much in tune with what he wants. He's built a huge staff, by the way. Um, I, it might be the biggest in the Big Ten. Uh, it's, yeah, that's it's, what they're saying. It's good size. It's very big, you know, and so, like, he's got a lot of people there that are working for him and working with him, all the King's horses and all the King's men, trying to put Nebraska football back together again. <laughs> Sam, so, bro. you know, I think. Humpty <laughs> Dumpty. <laughs> Sam, yeah. Sam, you you all in? Do you do you get the family feel, Sister Sledge? We are family. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, yeah. I. I that's. I, I. Everybody talks about being a family, so I'm sure it is, and you know that's that's fine. I. I'm more. I'm more interested in how systems work, and how those things sort of interlock together. So. I've spent a lot of my rewinds talking about what a rebuild looks like, what his staff is, the challenges he faces. Uh, I, I'm going to try not to put narratives to that. Like, mm. of course, it's a family, but you could ask everybody whether it's a family. They're always going to say it's a family. So, as a reporter, my job is to try to is to try to weed out the things that everybody says and look at the uniqueness of rules approach. And there are unique things to it. Uh, relative to what Nebraska's done in the past, and I think those are those are interesting things. He, I would describe him as off to being uh, to being off to a pretty good start. Sam, one last thing. Uh, poll, our poll question of the day was: Who was the bigger star of the weekend? You got a minute and a half here. Is it Trey Alexander or was it Casey Tominaga? Well, I mean, 
chewed. Uh, <laughs> so so listen, like K Say is 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 a joy to watch. Um, he does so many fun things on the court, and if Nebraska were better, you know he would be he would be you know a story all the time. Creighton's playing more important games, and Trey Alexander was the reason they won that game. And so Creighton, Creighton is, is rounding into the team that I think it hoped it would be, with maybe the exception they'd like to have a little bit more production from their bench. And, you know, Trey Alexander is, is, is becoming, you know, of, of all the players on that team, you're like, the guy guy's going to play in the NBA for 10 years, Trey's on. You know, he, he does this stuff that, you know the thing that I love about Trey's game is when he catches the ball, he throws it right back to Nimhart. Like he resets the play, and he just he understands that stuff about the game, and that's part of why I like him. He's a very, very good player for Creighton. Right. We appreciate it, Sam. Thanks so much for your time, as uh, you always give us on Monday. We appreciate you. All right. Yeah. You don't know how Trey Alexander's important to that team. Guards the best player. He shoots the technicals. And he gets double-digit shots up a game. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people wouldn't say he's the best player. <laughs> we'll keep talking next. Most important. Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.